This is design school. Taylor Cox, thank you for being on This is Design School today. We are excited to have you here. Cool. I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's fine. So I wanted to bring you in and talk a bit about how you have decided to get into the field of letterpress work and your interest in all things cool like that. All things cool and could potentially kill you with lead poisoning. Oh, really? Oh, I, uh, well, actually, I kind of know the lead issue, but yeah, what other things can kill you? Oh, well, the guillotine, which is a little bit self-explanatory, but it's the paper cutter, and that's terrifying the first time you use it. Why so? This is a giant two and a half foot blade of death, <laughs> basically. So what, what else? I mean, give me some... Oh. I don't know. I feel like in most art situations, there are lots of things that if you don't use them correctly are not going to go well for you. All the solvents and chemicals that you use to clean and the presses, if you use them wrong, you're going to lose fingers or hands or other appendages. Do you have any war wounds from using the letterpress as you look at your hands? Not really. (laughs) Counting all fingers. Yeah, I've still got 10 fingers, so that's good. (laughs) Um so what, I why? lost a nail once. Oh, whole nail or just part of a nail? Part, part oh. of the nail. It got smashed in a press. Oh. And it was nice and purple and blue for a little while, and then eventually kind of like fell off. What were you making at the time? Um, I think I was actually printing my senior thesis project at Jessica Springs Press, Springtide Press, and just printing on the Vandercook, and it is basically works off the idea of a cylinder and the paper rotates around the cylinder. And if you leave your hand on the paper too long, then the press starts to eat it. And luckily it's not motorized, so it's all hand cranked. So you, once you realize that your finger's starting to get smashed, you can stop it. But I mean, the body's reflexes aren't as fast as you would like them to be. So the finger got a little smushed. Oh, ouch. So yeah. why, why, um, what, started your interest in things like the letterpress studio well my sophomore year at plu i took graphic design too which is in the letterpress printing studio the elliott press and before that i had kind of had this idea that i wanted to solely work on the computer and just do kind of digital design and got into the letterpress printing studio and realized how cool it was and how much I enjoyed actually working with my hands and being able to immediately connect with whatever you're making. I tend to find that working on the computer in design, I feel a little bit disconnected from it. I just felt much more connected to lead type and handset type and mixing your own ink and it gave me more control in a sense even though you have more constraints that you're working around. So you like the creative constraint of it? Yeah. Do you have less constraints when working in analog formats, or is it just a longer process to do certain things? Well, there's only so much you can do with lead type. You can do a lot, but Mm -hmm. if you're in the shop and you really like this typeface and it works perfectly for what you're working on, except it's 12-point type and you need 72-point type, you can't just click a button and make it bigger. That's not, or change the size, that's not how it works, so suppose that's true figuring out 
what you have in the shop and what you have the resources available to you and how those are going to work together. Mm-hmm. It's not just a click of a button, yeah. which I like. It actually makes my designs better. Yeah. So I have to think about it more. Do you feel like when you work, especially with uh, analog typefaces like that, do you feel like you get to know them better or oh, in yeah. a different way? Oh, yeah. Especially old type. I mean, most type nowadays is going to be a couple decades old at least and has been used a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're doing a big project, and especially once you start printing something, you can see like, oh, that that the face of that piece of type has a little nick in it or um, the foot's been smashed off. I need to go get another one. So it kind of dials you into the shape of the letter forms and how they look and how they should look and then how they're printing and how you can kind of find the flaws. And it makes my letting and kerning a billion times better. (laughs) Mainly because you're physically putting in each little piece of spacing in between your letters or not putting spacing in between letters. So it's not automatic. I mean, it takes you a millisecond to type a six-letter word. It's going to take you 30 seconds to set a six-letter word. If you're really fast. If you're really fast. Do you feel that when you do work digitally now that you understand type so much better? Because, I mean, I feel like I know photography very differently because I spent a lot of time in a dark room in school, both in yeah. black and white and color. And so now when I work in Photoshop, like I feel like I understand a lot of things differently and I use Photoshop a lot differently because of that. And I was just curious if that for you translated to type and maybe InDesign or... I think so. I definitely, I mean, when you're working with a large body of text, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but with headers and short pieces of text, I start looking at the kerning that's automatically built into the system and seeing if I like it, if I want to space it out, if, you know, these two letters, in my opinion, are too close together. Before, I don't know if it was the fact that as a designer, I've just gotten more attuned to that, or if it was the letterpress printing and doing handset type that has tuned me into that. I'm not sure, because it's been a while since I've just solely been... You forgot what it was like not to know. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. So what are some of the, the latest things that you've been doing in letterpress? <laughs> well, this past week, slash the week before that, our Heidelberg Cylinder Press, which is a giant beast of a press from the 1950s, didn't break, but it was really, really dirty, and the dirt and grime and oil was starting to get onto our prints at the shop, and so I literally crawled into the press and was spent two hours cleaning congealed oil that has probably been there for the last 60 years off of gears and all the surfaces and a little cramped. So what I'm hearing is that a letterpress interest has also taught you to be a mechanic. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Sounds like a horror, like the a good scene in a horror movie that maybe hasn't been filmed yet is some, you know, innocent person climbing into the letterpress to clean it. Or the, and it and turning the on. And then all of a sudden, you know, the evil person comes and turns it on. Oh, then... yeah. That thought crossed my mind many times while know? I was in it. Do you have any, like, safety signals with pe- other people working in there? It's like, hey, there's a person in here. Or do, do people just know? I mean, there are only two of us in the shop, oh, so. Okay. So that's, that's fair. <laughs> but there were times when I was alone in the shop, super paranoid about being in the press. So I turned off the power to the press just because my mind was like, well, what if, I don't know. 
Something. What if it was actually possessed by the yeah. the original owner yeah. who created it and exactly. was into an occult <laughs> situation? Yeah, I probably didn't need to turn it off, but made me feel a little bit safer. So <laughs> whatever floats your boat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did find some cool paper stuck in the bottom of it. It's this little one and a half inch by one and a half inch sheet of paper that had a cut of a Canadian Mountie and his horse. And it was printed on both sides. And I think the paper was just like normal cardstock when it was actually printed, but it had been sitting in oil for I don't know how many years, and the paper had kind of sucked up all the oil and become pretty translucent. I was just going to say it's, it's a kind of a gelatinous goo um, with a little mylar feel to it. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. So. Vellum. It's like a vellum. Yeah, yeah, it looks like vellum, but I'm pretty sure it was just normal cardstock when. Wow. So earlier you were talking about your senior thesis, and that's when you took your nail off. I was curious about... Um, what did you do for your senior thesis? You graduated relatively recently, um, just this past year. What What did your capstone look like? That's a big question. What, or what What was the project you did? I mean, um, so the project ended up being an artist book that's based off of the idea of memory loss and ha- what happens in the brain when memories are created and lost and stuff like that and. It started when I got 30 or so page document from my mother that my grandmother had written before she had passed away that kind of detailed her entire life, all everything that she could remember. And then it also had the marriages and kind of just like little bits of information where people were born for as par- far back in her lineage as she could remember. And I took her a couple months to transcribe it and figure out what all it said. Um, And I couldn't, I knew I wanted to do something with it because it was really special. It had really great content, but I couldn't really figure it out. And I started thinking about why she was writing it. Her memory was starting to go and she, I think the very first line of it is something about trying to get it all down before she passes and writing down everything that she had learned from her mother before she had passed away. Um, So it kind of just came into this crazy conglomerate of her writing and kind of scientific information about the neurons in the brain and how memories are created and the fact that you have, you're born with a limited number of neurons and that's what creates memory and when they're gone, they don't regenerate. So then you start to lose your memory and then all of a sudden it's gone. So that's the basis or kind of the idea of the concept. It came together in the form of a multi-layer embroidered artist book that took a really long time. It was, it's the biggest thing I've ever done. And the I think the one project that I've put the most thought into. So that was, it was exciting to finish. I think that's, that's a really interesting, as you were talking, story, well, and project, but as you were talking about it, I couldn't help thinking about what we were just talking about before, which was this idea of capturing these things about ourselves, like as we're living our life. And I think that's probably one of the big differentiations between um, younger generations and older is that we've constantly had like all of this data being collected and stored. We have yet to know like how that data will live throughout our whole lives and whether that will last. But I guess, what do you, how do you think that experience will be different 
for you as you get older than it would have been for your grandma having like this big repository of data that has followed you in terms of Right, because you're trying saying, to keep my memories. Yeah, because you're remembering my life. Yeah, because you're saying your grandma, when she got to a point and said she wanted to write it all down, it was what like thirty pages long. Yeah. Right, but just think of like all, every like everything that if you sat and tried down to collect it that you have on yourself now, and just imagine that keep that keeps collecting and probably only grows like yeah. until you were your grandma's age. Like, how does that change things? going to be a lot longer than 30 pages I can tell you that yeah and what, and what does it mean right and it's already being collected you know whereas your grandmother started when she was she was in her 80s so in her 80s and yeah. you are in your 20s and it's already accumulating so by the time you're in your 80s there is no having to go back and tell the story the story is already out there it's just commenting on the story yeah and I think that's interesting I'd wrote an article recently for the book club of Washington's annual journal or semi-annual journal about my thesis project and my process through it and at one point I was talking about this is what she was writing down these are her memories but these are the memories that she chose to write down like not necessarily 30 pages was all she could remember that was what she wanted to remember and I think that's the difference is that generation because they didn't have everything stored digitally that they had posted was more selective I guess and whereas our generation and today's generation where you know the kids that are eight and are already posting on Instagram with their iPhones like they're going to have this version of their life that is it's different like it's more mm-hmm. current and in the moment you can save that thought that you had when you were 16 that you posted whereas I guess it's less warped than when you're 80 and you're trying to remember something that happened however many years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember doing a similar project when I was in grad school about memory, but relating it to quantum physics. And it was very fascinating to do the research and find and dive into an area of, well, into any area that you're not comfortable with, you know, myself being an artist not a scientist whatsoever and and doing research and seeing these aha moments that I can make connections to. Do either of you ever have that kind of um, epiphany outside of the arts? So in, in Taylor, you, you know, you had that with your, you know, connecting synapses to your uh, grandmother's story. Well, I think one of the reasons I'm drawn to letterpress printing and book arts in general is that it gives me the ability to take everything that I love about design, figuring out and, you know, the type and the layout and all of that goodness. And then separate from that, taking a completely different topic that maybe has nothing to do with design, like memory, and figuring out how to express it through graphic design and how to combine those different ideas. So it's not as much like here's problem A and you have to figure out how to fix it. It's more open-ended. Is this what you thought you would be doing? (laughs) No. (laughs) I thought when I started school or when I at least decided to be a graphic designer that I was going to graduate and work for a design firm and sit in front of a computer. A dream job. Dream job. That was the dream job. And then I spent a summer doing that 
And I hated sitting in front of a screen for an entire summer. And then I realized that that was not, not for me. So what exactly do you do now? Well, currently I work for the Arts and Crafts Press in Tacoma, uh, pretty much as a press operator. So taking the designs that Yoshiko, my boss, has designed and printing the cards with the giant Heidelberg. Um, and then on the side of that, continuing my work as a book artist and eventually trying to get to that point where I can do that full-time or at least be a full-time letterpress printer. That's a lot of equipment to collect and a lot of space that I currently do not have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you ever have any hesitation about going into that field after you realized that you didn't really want to go the more trendy route that is now? Trendy. Well, you know, like I the trendy route. I think you could argue of... that the trendy route currently is letterpress printing. Okay. Just well, trendy in a trendy there. in a certain way, yeah. 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 But I mean, I guess maybe maybe the more mainstream yeah. route would be a better way to play say it. I don't think I had any second thoughts. It was kind of I was lucky enough to figure out the general direction and what I wanted to do when it came to figuring out which I'm still figuring out how to actually get there. That's another sec, like a whole other monster of, all right, how do I, one, as a 22-year-old, decide this is the city and the house that I'm going to stay in because once you start collecting equipment, that's several hundred pounds. It's a pain to move. So, I don't know. hundred pounds of what? Metal and lead and equipment. Paper. And paper. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's what I've started to collect. Is the paper. I don't have a lot of equipment, but I have a lot of paper. Now, you do have something that I have wanted, and I, I would like to, uh, to take this time to say that you stole from me, Wanda. I didn't steal it. You had a missed opportunity on Craigslist that I took advantage of. <laughs> <laughs> what is Wanda? Wanda is my little three-by-five tabletop Adana press that I don't know who it was someone found it on Craigslist and sent it to JP and he shared it with the class and it was this guy in Parkland like 15 minutes away was selling it and JP didn't go for it so I bought it worth it worth it it needs new rollers so it hasn't been used but Mm. it's really stinking cute it's red and JP named it Wanda can you get new rollers for that yeah oh yeah it's just a matter of buying them oh yeah she's she's ready to roll she just needs rollers <laughs> wow I, I so often unintentionally use the pun of like pressing on or like pressing something like, oh, <laughs> God. puns are following me so taylor what's uh, what's next what is the future for you well recently i've been thinking a lot more about grad school trying to figure out what that looks like and I had a conversation with Jessica Spring the other day about what I want to get out of grad school because there are really only four schools in the U.S. that have specifically letterpress or not letterpress printing but four schools in the U.S. that have a book arts master's program um, which doesn't give me a lot of options I mean they're very good schools but it's then I guess figuring out what I want to do after that how I want to pursue, if I want to pursue just solely making books and artist books or doing more commercial work. And I haven't quite figured that out. I've kind of made it up in my mind that I need the dedicated time 
that grad school allows to kind of figure that out and to push myself farther. But where that's going to lead me, I'm not quite sure. Well, this is a great opportunity since you have someone who's in grad school right now. Grad school just confuses you more. Oh, good. That's great to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason why I went back to grad school. I had an idea of what I wanted to do when I went in. But I think for me, the, the best thing about grad school is making you realize how much you don't know. I mean, you learn so much, but then you also learn how much you don't know. Sometimes that's daunting in a good way. But I think depending on, I mean, one thing, one other thing you mentioned was also you you felt like grad school would uh, give you the time to be able to work through some of those things. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely dependent on like how your, how the program is structured as to like whether that's, because that, I mean, not that I dislike it because I think that's something I'll get to do a lot more this year. But last year, there's no time to do anything. (laughs) Do you think that's a product of the specific program that you're in? Yeah. The first year of our program is pretty structured, and they do that kind of on purpose. And our faculty advisor always would like to tell us when we came in that they – they t- they would take away our superpowers <laughs> when we got into the program and they wouldn't give us give us our superpowers back until the end of our first year wow and so that some solid analogies there that was a huge struggle <laughs> you know yeah do you remember when you were going into grad school and i had the talk with you about how to prepare for grad school i don't know I mean, I I vaguely, I remember when I was saying, like, well, what do I need? Or, like, should I do this? And I remember one thing you told me was, like, well, if you go back to grad school, you need to know, like, what you want to accomplish while you're there. And, like, you need to go back for, like, something in particular. I don't remember that part, but I remember telling you, you need to go to grad school knowing who you are and everything else you have to let go of. Because, for me at least, it was a struggle. Uh, I was, I, I love that analogy from your faculty. We're going to give rid of your superpowers, and we're not going to give them back until later. And I felt like that too in grad school. Is that you? They get rid of the ego, and then they break you, and then they mold you back to something even better. But as long as you have the the foundation, the base of who you are, it'll work. Does that sound familiar? Vaguely, but I definitely forgot who I was last year. I mean, it get to, it got to the point where I forgot what my superpowers even were, and I'm still trying to figure out what those were, because <laughs> I'm just now getting them back. Maybe, hopefully, I don't know. What do you think your superpowers are? I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, what differentiates you like from what? your peers, um. or who your peers were? I mean, in terms of who my peers were, I was really the only one doing book arts or letterpress printing or any of that, like, non-traditional graphic design, I guess. What advantage did that give you? Well, it gave me a different perspective Well, in terms of the senior thesis, of which for us was pretty open-ended. You could pretty much do anything, and I 
kind of veered off more towards the fine arts track mm-hmm. of things. I don't really know how to answer that question. <laughs> I think your superpower, if I had a if I had a guess based off of last year, would be that you were very curious, but you were also very dedicated. It was not about doing the easy thing or revising a project until it was something manageable and could be completed. It was, here's the expectation, and yeah. I will meet that expectation, even if I bleed. Or don't sleep for or two don't weeks. Sl- yeah, or... well, bleed was in quotes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that is true, if I were to pick one. But... Do you feel that that's still you? Yeah. If really? Once, once really? I get connected to something, <laughs> I get... Uh, Craig... My printmaking professor used to always joke that I always found the harder way to do things. Like, there was one of the projects in printmaking one was to do a a woodcut, and it was the first woodcut we had done for that class, and we were learning how to do it. And I went and decided to do a seven-color reduction cut the first time off. Like, (laughs) why? I don't know. I just got it in my head that that's what I was going to do, and then I spent three weeks on it and way way too much time for an introductory project but that's me (laughs) and i would say that that's uh that's been a lot of my students over the years which is the if it's worth doing it's worth doing the hard way yeah as frank camara says the long hard stupid way oh that's so true i I always pick the long hard stupid way have i never sent you that talk i'm gonna have to send you that talk I want that as well. I think we'll post it with your uh, with your podcast. The long, hard, stupid way. Yeah, I just watched it again earlier this week. It's just as good as ever. But you know, I swoon over his writing, so <laughs> it's all right. Was there a deciding factor in picking a grad school for you, and I guess deciding to go, either of you, or? Did you know a program, and that's kind of what you went with? Well, I think one one thing that I was really thinking about when I, because I knew I wanted to go back to grad school, one thing I was really thinking about was how to make it uh, so I left school in a much better financial situation than I left undergrad. Um, that is important. Yeah, because <laughs> I was a lot less smart about that the first time. So, I mean, I looked at programs locally, and... You know, UW is close by, but they also have a really good program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I'll try and see if I can get into that. Tried, didn't get in. So the following year, I was like, well, maybe I'm too young because I'd gone to their uh, thesis exhibit and seen that most of the people in the program were in their mid-30s. Um so I was like, well, maybe I'm just too young and they want people with more experience or like, you know, I didn't know what the competition was. Yeah. So then the next year I, I was like, well, maybe I'll just build up my portfolio for another year and apply again next year. And then somebody was just like, well, you already have most of everything together. Just freshen it up, contact, you know, your recommend the people that recommended you again and have them refresh that and apply again. There's no harm in that. So I kind of applied the second time being not thinking that I was going to get in that year. And then I had made a plan for my third year that if I didn't get in this year that I would start applying to more programs. 
Um, and I had a couple other ones picked out, but they were all kind of very different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got in and I was like, oh, uh, decision made. <laughs> decision made. This is happening. Um, and, you know, just kind of rolled with the punches. And it's been fantastic. But now I have to figure out what I'm going to do next year. Yeah. After I graduate. So. So for me, Chicago had two really good programs, one of which was in uh, the, the number one grad school at the time uh, for a VizCom program, which was SAIC. Yay, SAIC. And so I applied there and I decided after doing an interview there and seeing some people and knowing the people that were in the program, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm coming here. And had an opportunity to sit down with the chair at the time, Frank DeBose, and oh my gosh, did I hit it off very well. And I could see myself there. What I didn't know was what I was really getting myself into. One of the pieces of advice that I got early on, even before I finished undergraduate, was if you're going to grad school, know who you are. We had this professor who had replaced our um, tenured professor who was on sabbatical, And he was in grad school at the time. And I want to say that he had taken a year off or two years off. And when he did, he really needed to know who he was. And that was the thing that he said was really difficult for him was that, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Why? Why? And so for us that were talking about it or that were thinking about entertaining the idea, he said, whatever you do, Don't do it right away. Don't do it just because you think you have to do it. Do it because you know you want to do it. Do it because it's in your bones for doing it. And I've said it before on on different podcasts that one of the things that I really wanted to do in grad school was to be much more methodical, much more critical about it. And that's what I really missed about in in the workforce is that there was not that heavy criticism that you had in uh, classroom settings. And so I really went back for more of that. I missed the camaraderie, really. Yeah. And then you never left academia. And then I never left. I just stayed on, and I continued to uh, to make the rest of y'all lives uh, as wonderful as mine. <laughs> too much power. I know. I think her comment of too much power was spot on. You mean what she said about me? No, about me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being on the show with us today. It was really great talking to you. I think you brought a really unique perspective that we haven't had on the show yet. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This is Design School is recorded at the KPLU Studios. For additional information about each episode, visit thisisdesign.school. The intro music for This is Design School is Electronic Nostalgic, composed by Paul Tyen, and published under the Creative Commons on SoundCloud. We'd love to hear what you like, what you don't like, and what you want to hear on the show. Join us on Twitter at JP Avila and at Chad P. Hall. Also, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. And share us with your designer friends. Bye for now. <laughs>